Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. James Brolin bought his first camera at 15 years old and ever since then has not been able to put it down. James has gone on to star, produce, and direct some of the most iconic films like Westworld and the Amityville Horror. On this episode of the Carlos Watson Show podcast, James Brolin recalls his career in the Hollywood spotlight and preparing to direct his new project, Ruby McCollum. Welcome to the show, James. Oh, the boss is here. <laughs> you, you've seen that scramble happen before, huh? Well, if you like working here, guys. <laughs> Wait, now, now you've never been fired, have you? Uh, geez, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. I kind of wish I had been. Right. Um, I'm, I'm reading a lot of Nelson DeMille stuff lately, and he's so facetious. He's always trying to get fired, this character of his. Right. And uh, I, I love this. I'm thinking this would make a great series, his character, because he's so facetious. He love-hates his job. He doesn't want to quit. He doesn't want to get fired, but he's trying to get fired all the time by getting in his <laughs> boss's face. I, I kind of <laughs> love that. Yeah, I always feel like that. Or yeah. I don't know if you're a sports fan, but I feel like that about a bunch of the athletes. You feel like they are half like don't want the job. Like I don't know if you were. Uh, are you a football or basketball fan by any chance? Well, I was when I was younger. Now I'm a one-on-one guy. I love skiers. I love motorcycle racers. I like guys driving Baja. So I've kind of switched. I'm out of you know sport because to me it's like okay, one team wins or the other, and when guys say, man, that was a great game, it better be great. <laughs> and, and back when, uh, uh, what was his name at SC? It was so good to watch him run like a gazelle, even OJ. Yeah. To watch him carry the ball and run. Well, I've never seen anything like it. Who could not love football when you're watching that, you know? Did you ever see, <laughs> Gale, did you ever see Gale Sayers when he was playing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, he became an actor. I worked with him a couple of times. He he was a guest on a hotel when I was doing that in the 80s. 
Yeah, I actually loved Hotel. Yeah, I really nice, enjoyed nice that. Guy. Very sweet guy, but again, short but fleet. Oh my yeah. God, to watch yeah. him run, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know what they yeah. have money now? I feel like back in the day there were a lot of athletes to Hollywood happening with Merlin Olsen and Deacon Jones yeah. and OJ and Jim Brown. And it's funny. Like today, I don't think. Yeah, it doesn't happen. Athletes. No, I don't think so. I, I don't. Um, it does, nothing comes to mind right away, you know. And why was that? Were those guys not making as much money in sports at the time? So they were, they were coming over to Hollywood? I don't know. You know, I think. The more you, you know, to me, film is like, uh, you know, you try hard and you do something, then you put everything into it and you never know. And film becomes like day old bread. It's half price the next day. <laughs> and all of us have seen so much footage now right, right. that we're a little tainted and we're not ready to sit and watch somebody that doesn't have any background at dialogue trying to deliver some pertinent dialogue that gets us right in the gazeer. You know, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, because a lot of those guys were untrained, and you know, that was a, you know those kind of parts. And, <laughs> you know. and then everybody, every once in a while, some like Jim Brown actually yeah. popped out. He was actually quite good. I remember some of the early westerns he did were great. You know, yeah, I saw some of his stuff later. I liked him. It's funny you're making me think about who else. Yeah, because they had like Dick Buckus, wasn't he? Like doing. Guest appearances, they put oh, yeah. Namath up there. They put a bunch of guys now that you say that. Yeah, do you see do you see Namath now? So I don't know what he's selling, uh, health insurance or something. But, uh, <laughs> I, I think I'd rather buy a surfboard. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, do you ever see those guys who were uh, really big stars who, you know, the star kind of faded? You ever bump into those guys uh, these days still? Yeah, um, I'm trying to think. There was a great old British star who did all of the African films. He was the great hunter, you know, and all of that. Uh, and he got hired on Hotel, and I was directing, and he actually played a guy that they were shooting a movie at the hotel in the, in the, in the show, right? Right, right, right? And this guy shows up, and he's the next movie star. Now, this is being played by an ex-movie star who has a lot of ego, right? Yeah. Anyway. Right, right. Yeah. But the role is the next movie star who has a lot of ego. But it was the, uh, do you guys, and he loved the bar there in the hotel, you know, so he was always a little sloshed. But it was like, <laughs> do you know who I am? Do you know who I used to be? You know? Yeah. And then in one scene, I can remember where he tripped over backwards on a light stand and... 20 light stands went over as he went over on his back. <laughs> wait, wait, did he anyway, do it on, <laughs> Wait, did he do it on purpose or did No, no, this it? was this this was part of the script, you know. Okay. I'm just okay. thinking how how I don't know if I'd want to do that scene myself, you know. <laughs> I'd rather just back out and let Josh do the work, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wait, no, right you now, you know, my brothers are are with directing. I I've, I've got uh, as uh, the COVID showed up in in May or June, whenever I was, May or June, we were scheduled to start shooting in Florida on a movie I was directing. And um, it all went bye-bye. The money went by everything, of course, and nobody's shooting anyway, you know. Huh. But uh, now I've got three others that, uh, you know, agents are trying to finance. And so I'm 
I'm excited about directing. As And I bought my first movie camera when I was 15. So I shot a lot of film in my life, and I've been in the DGA for 30 years. So, you know, I mean, it's not like I, I don't know what I'm doing, but uh, it's always potluck, isn't it? <laughs> but wait, you know, that's a good way to say it. Wait, now, how did you get into directing? Because I, I, for some reason, I always think of you as an actor. Uh, no, as a matter of fact, I started, uh, my grandmother gave me a little brownie camera when I was eight or nine years old. And by 10, I had my own darkroom and I was building cameras out of tape and cardboard huh. and buying film. And, and, you know, I, you know, that was back in the days when all that was unique and everybody was showing you how to do it. And, you know, I don't think kids today have an opportunity like that as much. Uh, but anyway, by the time I was 15, uh, I was I had been to the movies so many times and just went, whoa, is that, how do I get involved in that? And as a matter of fact, at 15, I got a tour through a studio and my dad was a contractor and there was guys painting and sawing and a guy up on the crane saying, all right, move that, bring the horses in here. And, uh, you know, this and that. I think this is like a construction zone. I understand that my dad does this, except they're shooting it on, on a camera. And I bought my first Bell and Hal wind up straight eight camera and started shooting films saying I want to make movies. And I didn't get an opportunity until, uh, I had several hit movies, uh, at the time. And, which uh, concluded with Amityville Horror, and nobody knew what to do with this freak uh, character in Amityville here. So I didn't hear from anybody for two years. I, I had three hit films. Let's see, Capricorn 1 and Amityville, and I forget one of the... Um, oh, Westworld. Um, and I... I um, well, I decided to... Uh, uh, that. At that, well, I'll tell you what, I decided to do tele back to television because of the silence. I met with Aaron Spelling, and I said, uh, part of the deal is I want to direct. And he says, well, he said, you know, why don't we see how we are right here next a year from now? And if we've gotten through a year and you really know the guys and what we're doing, then I'll give you your first one. And... Um, he gave me my, he called me one year later. He said, your year's up. Uh, he said, there's three scripts sitting there. Pick the one you like, because that'll be easier if uh, you get a script that you kind of feel good about and understand. And uh, we were shooting till between eight and 10 at night. I sent the boys home at three o'clock the first day and saved them a ton of money. <laughs> and then after that, the show ended out so good because I was overprepared and I got five shows immediately. And, you know, and then it just escalated from there. And that was in the early 80s, you know. And, yeah. and why were you so good? What was your secret sauce? I think I thought about it from the time I was 15, you know. And, and I would ask people questions all the time about how do you prepare for this and and I spent a lot of time because I was really, maybe still am, one of the worst actors around or most ill-suited. So I spent 10,000 hours in workshop classes saying, if I don't learn to do this stuff, I'm out of here, you know. And so, and I thought the only way I'm going to be in a studio to direct is be an actor. And so I worked hard on it and had a bit of luck. 
And it, it was actually a, almost, it was nine years from the time I seriously was working hard at it till uh, I, I got, I didn't get fired. You asked me that before, but I got my seven, my seven or nine, my deal was up at Fox and I'm free. And three weeks later, I was uh, signed at Universal on another seven year contract, which means they can dump you anytime and they only actually pay you 40 out of 52 weeks a year. And it's not much and everything. But three weeks after I got there, I, uh, I got the Welby pilot tested with, with Robert Young and uh, was uh, got the, won the Emmy for the pilot and uh, was the number one show at, by the sixth show. Life changed. And so what did it look like that life changed? Like literally everywhere you went, people knew you overnight or, or what happened? Yeah. 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 But I was cool. You know, I mean, <laughs> I was always uh, in high school, I think what they call laid back and uh, nothing excited me too much. I was able to size up things pretty well. I mean, it's not like uh, some people I've met since then that when they have some notoriety or stardom, that uh, let's say maybe something their parents may have done to them or how they were groomed that they just couldn't handle it and mis kind of misunderstood the uh, the phenomenon of fame and the bull behind it and the fact that you get it for a period of time and then they take it away. Be ready for that, you know. All I'm saying is I handled it pretty damn well. How long did how long did you have the fame for and 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 when did you realize they had taken it away? Oh, actually. Um, you know, when life, do you know, life in pieces, the series that, uh, I did for CBS recently yep. or yeah, yeah. Try it. If you don't, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, when I took that show, uh, that was four and a half years ago and we were on for three, three, uh, three and a half years. Actually, we did, uh, something like 79 shows, I think. Uh, I was one of a cast of 11, and it was the first time I hadn't been the protagonist in, in a television show or a movie, really, unless, let's say, the girl was the star and I had the second billing. But, I mean, I was the guy in in the movie or the show. And so I started the show, one of a cast of 11, and, like, working sometimes I'd come in and work uh, three hours on Tuesday, and they said, we don't need you till Friday, and it was a whole different world. But... I kind of liked it, uh, knowing that it was possibly a permanent step down. And luckily, I play the market on the side, and I'm decent at it. So I don't have to worry about, oh, my God, I haven't worked. Because, I mean, during this COVID time, thank God for that. It's it's helped maintain. And uh, Barbara and I like to have our own balance of money you know i don't depend on any dame or never even borrowed a nickel from my well i did once from my father and then he said oh no, you're going to school you'll need lunch money and gas money and i said, oh that's cool and i went to college i went started at ucla it was about five months later he says here's how much you owe me so far i don't know what what i i owe you this money back and it was like you know it was like a lot of money for that for back then, right, right. and uh, I said, uh, "I swear, I'm never going to borrow any money from anybody ever again. I'm going to figure out how to work my ass off on the weekends and do whatever I can to get ahead." You know, 
And of course, the only thing that ever spoiled that was a couple of wives, uh, ex-wives, you know, but they do that to everybody. So what the hell, you can't blame them. (laughs) Oh, you lost money in the divorce. What's the best money you've ever made? You're talking about amounts? I can't Uh, answer that. uh, I I don't even mean necessarily amounts, but what's the smartest? Because you said you play the markets. Yeah. Is that, oh. is that, is that, yeah, I've had a couple of days which su- surprised the heck out of me. It was, uh, but I've had a where it goes both ways, you know, where you're into the hundred grand and the next day, you know, you're out 125. So you well, yeah, that's, that's uh, let me see. Tea was great Wednesday, wasn't it? But yesterday's <laughs> talk. But on the average, I'll tell you, it's funny during this whole uh, COVID lockdown, it's amazing if you just stayed in in the fangs, in the major Amazon and all the good ones, man, you could, uh, you'll do at least 50%. Just just leave your money there. Don't even look at it, you know. Yeah. It's amazing during this lockdown. And, and uh, but of course... Everybody, uh, a lot of people will disagree with me, but I think that is a result of Obama's stimulation. And we finally saw the results of it. And uh, the lockdown, for some reason, people were at home with nothing to do. And, um, you know, I've heard and felt it and seen it that recently even the, um, the $600 has been going into the market, you know, not buying food. Not paying rent, but we've oh, seen you, stimulus in the market, which they think when you add up a couple of million people with a few bucks to throw in the market, it sort of makes it look real good, you know. And especially if one does options, where you you know what options they're kind of side bets on a yeah, you know if yeah. you think that say Amazon's going to go up next week and you do a side bet with a bunch of people saying, I know it's going to go up to 140, you know, then everybody starts buying in going, yeah, we agree with you. And then you sell that side bet really quick while it's high. That's what options are, you know? And, um, I play that and you know, the, 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 I'm sorry, I was stuck on this, but I'll finish with this. All you have to do is win 60% of the time and lose 40% of the times. Actually, I should have just said, all you have to do is lose 40% of the time and you're a winner. You know what? That's, 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 that's probably good, right? Now, what about real estate? For some reason, I would think that real estate would be a, a good thing for a Californian to be involved in. Uh, I've never, um, other, than, other than, let's say, houses I bought or or. You know, once, uh, let me see, before, about the time Josh was born in the early 70s, I bought a big ranch. Uh, You know, I was a wannabe cowboy, Gene Autry and Roy Rogers and all that stuff. And I bought a a ranch and moved up to Central California, where, you know, right near the ranch was the livestock sale on Saturday and, you know, all these buckaroos, you know. And I, I had been raising and training horses in L.A., but I did it in a big way up there. And uh, so anyway, I'm just saying I made money on that property. But I, I was never really – it seemed like like this last year, I, uh, I just put a couple of down payments on Las Vegas houses, knowing how Las Vegas w- was – was booming, you know, that's what I thought. And now there are streets where the glasses, the windows are broken out in Vegas. And, you know, a a lot of people 
either didn't move there or have moved out or have gone broke or whatever. But that was didn't turn out to be a great investment. Save. I tell my kids, just save a dime out of every dollar and you're going to be fine. But start now, you know. And are they good at it? Do they do it or not? No. <laughs> and of course, Josh, it doesn't matter. He had a windfall year this last year, all of a sudden, because he's been an actor for, you know, for 40 years. And uh, he started at uh, he started at 15 in a Spielberg movie, Goonies. Right. And then uh, now he's he's almost he'll be 53 uh, next month. So, uh, so he didn't do well. A lot of his, you know, he maintained a lot of his career. But then this last year with uh, several of the pictures he did, he did very well with no money in front and back in deals, which is not uncommon now. You know, a lot of actors, uh, stars, movie stars are gambling in front. And then, uh, you know, there's a rumor that uh, you'll never see your money. But that's really not true if you've got these big franchises where they brag all the time about how big this picture is going getting and you've got to go see it and everything. Well, once, once that stuff is in print, then the, you know, the lawyers and auditors check it all and uh, you get your percentage, you know? Oh, and I, I asked a very, uh, uh, good and important, uh, entertainment lawyer recently with all that happening uh, lately and these actors making a windfall, uh, like Robert Downey, I don't know if you you can check on the internet, but he had a fifty million dollar year one year just because of a back end. He got no money in front, and then they said, "Oh, here's part of the money we made after you left." <laughs> um, I said, "Well, will they ever make another deal like that again?" And he says, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, they will." So, well, and, and why? Know, and, and that's why. To yeah. save money in front. And I, I don't quite understand myself being a, my dad being a miser, penny pincher, squeeze a uh, water out of a nickel uh, guy. Uh, I don't understand some of the budgets. I, to me, there's some theft and there's some very loose um, dollars being, being watched. Um, most of the time. So I don't understand some of these high budgets, but they go, up into the 200, 250, 300,000, in, in, uh, 300 million in investment in a movie. And of course, when you, when, uh, when you see later that a picture did a million two, a billion two, well, then you go, okay, that was a great bet. But uh, all the ones that cost 300 that only made 50. Right. You know, it's. Uh, it's a crapshoot. <laughs> James, who are you? I'm not in that business. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, uh, if I get involved in producing just to keep the company going, and if I, like I, I uh, produced and directed uh, two uh, Hallmark movies recently that did very well, and but that's, you know, on the Hallmark channel. <clears throat> but that, that's, that's my speed, actually. So, so, so And so, that's what I hope to do. Bigger versions of that. For you, you just did you just turn eighty, or did I make that up? No, you didn't make it up. I don't understand what happened, but somebody told me that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just checked my license, and that's what it says. But I uh, a bunch of liars. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm eighty. 
Now, 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 tell me the truth. How different does 80 feel from 70 or 60 or 50? Well, I think the um, for most guys, 50 to 60 is the best time of your life. And if you're right in there somewhere, you just it's just the greatest. Because? You have your strength. You have your wisdom. You have respect. Uh, chances are career is going fairly smooth during that period. Um, uh 60s were cool, 70s were cool, uh, about 74, I, I got that uh, CBS series with 11 people and just had a ball, but I knew the game wasn't quite the same anymore. And really, uh, that's when that started, that's when I started grooming some of these scripts that other people had written, but were not shootable. And I'm not a real good uh, original storyteller, but when I see one, I think is going to make a good movie. I think I'm a good judge of it, and I also uh, have a talent for making it work to where the when the money reads it, they go, "We we want to invest in this movie," you know. So that's of course what we're we're on to next as soon as we're out of this prison. Wait, wait. Tell me more about this but, talent of getting the money excited about ideas. What do you think you do that gets money excited about your ideas? Well, on most scripts, the the problems start, you know, if it's worth reading and somebody says, this is interesting, you should read it. It's usually good until about page 65 or 70. And then it starts falling apart. Like nobody really planned, how are we going to bail on this? How are we going to end this? Other than everybody's just happy with each other, you know, or whatever. And especially if it's a thriller or... I have, a, I, th- I think I told one of your assistants about looking up Ruby McCollum about uh, uh, the abuses that black people have had in the hands of white people in the past. And uh, th- that story just like, just gets me right to the spine. And I've been working on that. I've done five rewrites on that, but somebody else originally brought it to me in a 110 page forum, you know, and, um, I think today it's a that is a wonderful script. My biggest problem is, uh, what are you doing directing that? You know, and not Steve McQueen. Right. You know, right? And I go, but now you're categorizing it as a black film. It's not a black film. It's about what these white people have done to black people, and I want to tell that story. And of course, everybody that's heard it. Um, that has any feelings about that has said, this movie's got to be made. This movie's got to be made. You look up Ruby McCollum on Google, you know, you'll see. Yeah. So that, that's one. And I, I, I need a good cast and I probably should, uh, I've actually scouted around in Georgia to some small, I want some towns that have some dirt streets and, um, What's nice is there's a whole array of new films uh, from down in that area now that I can watch and go, oh, what's the name of that town where they went, you know? Or, uh, and also there's a dearth of, uh, of film right now. There, if you go on Netflix or stuff that, uh, that uh, Prime is buying up right now, it's the stuff that never sold for the last three years they're showing. There's some really bad movies around. So there's going to be a calling for good films with decent stars. And um, in the meantime, actually during this last year, I've seen some new stars that have come up that 
need to be, I, I, there's nothing like seeing somebody who, to me, who I say, you know, I've had all these guest stars on all these television. I've done 21 years of prime time now, if you add it all up. And all these people come and go, and I feel like I know who's going to be a movie star. I've seen who became a movie star. I've seen who I guessed could be a movie star. I've seen who got married instead and moved to Peoria. But I sort of pride myself on saying, what? Give me some of those. Give me someone who you didn't think was going to become a star and did. And then give me someone the opposite, who you you were sure they were going to be a star. And for whatever reason, they didn't make it. Give me one of both. Oh, man, this is a tough one. Now, now, see, I'm 80 now. Come on. (laughs) But I must say, early on, let's say Zoe Saldana, who I just love. And now I hear she's doing something important recently. Now, you know, just great. When she did Colombiana, I just went, wow, you know, I was right, this girl. But you're talking about somebody who I may have worked with. And actually, there's a young guy. um, I hired a guy sight unseen when I was in Romania shooting the last Hallmark movie. And there was these casting people in London sending me tapes. And I go, you know, you guys haven't shown me anybody worthwhile. I said, and I picked up a magazine, and it was like a Ralph Lauren commercial. Right. And I said, give me a face like this, somebody I trust. You know, somebody, a guy I can look at and go, yeah, he's great. I want to see more of him. I trust everything he said. Next thing I got, five days later, I got a a reading, you know, of the dialogue of this guy. That was the guy in the picture in the magazine that I had picked up in a hotel room to show them. Right. Nice. Anyway, and I was doing this on my cell phone. I was photographing it, you know. Anyway, uh, he was just wonderful. It turns out he's uh, probably the highest paid model in the world, of all things, you know. But, but what's, that's, what's his that's name? That's what Tom Selleck was. His name is Andrew Cooper. And now we're developing a series for him. And that'll go up uh, to around to the money that would take place all over Europe that he would be a um, derivative of the Medici family, and therefore a lot of people would like to get rid of him, and he's one of the uh, smart professors at Oxford. Anyway, it's an it's interesting, uh, interesting... Anyway, so Andrew, I think, is, could be a, a, a James Bond, you know. Wait, wait, but, did, you, uh, did you just say Tom Selleck was originally a top model before he became Magnus? Yes, guy? he was. When... when Yes, when he became Magnum, and I know, I know that my brother was uh, involved in that around around that time, and he said, yeah, um, he verified he knew Tom had started making the rounds, but he had only done photo sittings, you know. Hmm. Now you see he's doing reverse mortgage commercials, <laughs> and beautifully shot, but <laughs> you won't see Jim Rowland doing reverse mortgage commercials. Hey. Hey, tell me this. I don't know. You, you, you got you to tell me this. For um, I saw an amazing L.A. Law. Remember L.A. Law back in the day? Remember that TV show, L.A. Law, with, with, with Corbin Benson? Yeah, I do, but I'm pointing at you because you're movie star material, I think. I love that. I, 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 I don't know. I, if you, anyway, I, L.A. Law, yeah. Do you remember L.A. Law? Corbin Benson, he, in that there was a yeah. great scene once where he talked about being the handsome guy. 
and what only handsome mm-hmm. guys experience and most other people don't. Take us yeah. behind the curtain, because I feel like you were the ultimate handsome guy uh, on TV. Like, what are you, like, what I say, you, you know, that, I, I say that and five bucks get you a Starbucks. <laughs> but I don't believe that. Like, like what else about being, uh, in all seriousness, what else about being a handsome guy would most people never guess is true about how you end up getting to move in the world and live your life? Like, what was different? for you being in Hollywood, being the ultimate, because you weren't just an actor. You were both an actor and, I think, like Tom Selleck, people saw you as kind of one of the ultimate handsome guys. What was that like? I think um, I confused that with the fact that when I got Welby and we got our fame really quick, that everybody trusted this young doctor. You know, the first six shows, I think they made a terrible mistake. We were arguing because... I had just gotten out of uh, neurosurgery. Uh, well, uh, the character I played had just gotten out of uh, uh, neurosurgery, uh, you know, out of his residency and claimed that the old doctor hadn't even read a magazine, a, a, a AMA magazine in 20 years. Yeah, you're so busy, you don't really know what's going on lately. I thought that was the the really great juice of the show. And on the sixth show, they're saying, you know, people don't like you arguing like that. You got to say, we got to be nice to each other. So we became Dr. Nice. And as that went along, people really began to trust. By the end of the second year, there was a poll that said uh, they would put uh, Robert Young, uh, maybe this is bad timing to say this, but they would put Robert Young up as uh, running for president and me for vice president. Right. We were so trusted. And see, that's the way I would answer that, that I was trusted. I don't know if it's because of a face or whatever, but uh, I never found my other than my mother being, oh, you're so cute. You know, and mom, you know, you wonder why I don't drop by more often. Please stop that. (laughs) (laughs) Um. And actually, when you start going to, as a young actor, you start going to workshops and every young actor who is in workshops now find it is so competitive that everybody usually in those workshops has something uh, to give that's really interesting. Sometimes it's not looks. Sometimes it's a sense of comedy that is so funny. Sometimes it's just expressions. Sometimes, you know, who knows? Uh, You know, we look back at... um, uh, I just saw where Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball, they were doing a movie about them, you know, and they're talking about Javier Bardem playing uh, Desi, oh, nice. you know, nice. and, yep. and some big uh, blonde star, you know, I, I, it's all potluck to me. I, I, I don't know each, each thing on its own. I, I, one thing I found is, you can argue with people all day about casting and they'll go, yeah, you know, but once it's cast, you can't think of anybody else in that role. And you'll, you'll agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's too bad. They didn't get such and said, no, you're watching the movie. That's who it is. You know, we'll get back to our interview in a minute, but first I'd like to share a really insightful discussion that I recently had with former NBA player, Jalen Rose. Now, this year, we've seen some of the largest ever protests of racism in America. 
In fact, more people are realizing just how deep this problem runs, even though we've still got a ways to go. Jalen told me about what it's like to witness police violence and how harmful it is when white folks don't speak up against injustice. When I was watching TV and an, an elderly gentleman in Buffalo got pushed down by the police, I felt the same way about him that I would feel about a black person. But I noticed when it happened to George Floyd and he was handcuffed, there were people still trying to justify why it took place. Oh, he had some things in his past. He made some bad decisions. He should have did this. He should have did that. Our conversation was part of a panel on race, politics, and the American dream brought to you in partnership with Chevrolet. You can hear the full discussion on Ozzy.com slash Real Talk or on our Ozzy YouTube channel. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Who is the best actor you've ever worked with or seen? Using whatever definition of best you want to use, who is the best? I saw Brando all over the place, but he basically, when he decided he was going to do his job, he was the best ever. And I was uh, actually signed at 19 years old, before I even was at Fox, um, to play his son in the prologue and epilogue of Mutiny on the Bounty. The the bounty uh, crew, um, when they left Tahiti, you know, and everybody, uh, you know, the English Navy was all out. They went to Pitcairn and started quietly. Nobody knew they had this whole thing, and the son supposedly was born. So the movie started with the prologue of the son telling the story of what happened to dad. On the uh, Anyway, in the end, it was cut out. I was there almost a year uh, I was in, out, in, out, had a greatest time in Tahiti in the late 60s. Oh, my gosh. Times of 10. Now it's drugs and rock and roll just like everywhere else. But then it was the, the fantasy of island girls like you never saw before, it, like you've heard of in books. <laughs> you were in Tahiti for a full year. 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Lucky dog. So, so besides Brando, who else was great? Um, you know, it's funny. There was this uh, in uh, Westworld. There was Yul uh, Brenner. You know, Yul Brenner was a yeah. interesting history. You know, you know, Yul Brenner always great posture and everything's like perfect and everything. Well, the history of that is he was a Romanian circus high wire act, and he fell, and they said he'd never walk again. And he worked his ass off and became this guy, right? Then he goes to New York and he becomes a director. He directed the ball games at Ebbets Field, the baseball games at Ebbets Field. <clears throat> and he's the first guy when some guy's going around with the first zoom lens for a camera. He's the first guy. Everybody go, I don't, we don't have a use for that. You know, we just move the camera in closer, you know. He said, I'll take it. I can follow the players, follow the ball. And he's the first guy ever to commercially use a zoom lens in entertainment. Oh. And then uh, when The King and I uh, was developed for the stage in, um, in New York on stage, uh, they said, there's only one guy that can play it. It's Joe Brenner. And they said, yeah, but he's a director, you know. Yeah, but, you know, he's just so like that, you know. So anyway, later on when I worked with him in Westworld, and he did, I don't know if you remember him as the robot that killed everything, the gunslinger, but uh, which actually when this television show started up, I wanted to play the killer robot, and I never got there. I talked to J.J. Abrams and never heard back, but uh, that would have been fun to be that character but i thought he was really interesting i worked with charlton heston on the um a movie called skyjacked where i hijacked an airplane the producer said okay we got charlton heston as the pilot and um we need the guy who's the least likely to hijack an airplane well dr kylie <laughs> <laughs> jim brolin he would never do anything like that. So I became the, you know, the hijacker in that movie and worked with Heston and quite a lot of uh, uh, interesting character actors who'd been around, you know. Uh, so actually, my, my answer over the... Heston is interesting. He would come in in a Corvette with a top down in the morning. He's another ego. Uh, remember, he ended up running the NRA. And all that. Oh, right. That's right. Uh, right. And yeah, couldn't get a movie, so he became the head of the NRA. That's the way I look at it. Uh, but he would come in, and um, you could tell. Actually, somebody actually saw it. He would come into the stage after having spraying under his armpits on, on his sweatsuit in his Corvette and walk in like, ah, yeah. Just had a hell of a run, you know. <laughs> oh, he hadn't run at all. Uh, so he was interesting. He's the head of the movie. He's a movie star, and yet he's yeah. still trying to con us into thinking, you know, okay, you're a great athlete, you know. <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, it, it's a lovely business, I must say. And there are so many dedicated, wonderful actors, and there are a few kooks, and the crews are the kind of people that I remember my dad used to love because he'd hire him for eight hours and they'd come in and go, what are you still doing here? Well, I thought I'd clean up for you afterwards. And they do nine, nine and a half hours. 
that's what movie crews are like. They're hired because they just have it in their system, and they and they're happy and they love doing it. You know, and there's a list around. If somebody's not like that, they go on that list. You know, so that's another thing I love about the studio and the picture business is the attitude of the crew guys and the work habits that I grew up with, because I was a guy who give extra back i'd get hired for a hundred percent and i'd give them 130 you know just because i was just so grateful yeah what would you what would you have done if you yeah. had made if you hadn't made it in tv in the movies what do you think you would have done oh that's funny uh there was a period there where i thought i i had some great girlfriends and a few, and I was a guy that stuck with a lady for a while, you know, and I had cool cars in high school that I paid for myself on my weekend jobs. And um, there was, uh, it, it all started with one girl saying, well, now tell me what I should wear. And I'd say, well, this and that. And then, like, they'd go, could you take me shopping? And word kind of got around, and, and I loved women. And I love dressing women, and I loved undressing them, but <laughs> but um, but I love dressing. And I thought about boy, what a cool job for a straight guy to be a fashion designer and go New York and Paris and and do this and just love being around every. You know, I was never. You know, when you asked me if I was a sports follower, I was never one to be. I mean, I played golf for a while, but I was never. One, to be around a group of guys with all their alpha bull And that's why today I really like uh, the fact that so many women are running companies and doing and becoming our political advisors. And I, I just think it's just so without hogwash. I mean, I don't know what their personal problems are at home, but they don't bring it to work. It's usually um, real straightforward and honest, and I really appreciate that. Um, so anyway, that was one thing then, well, I have been, always been involved, uh, interested in building because my dad was a contractor. I now, I, uh, it's been over 30 years. I started, I was building some couple of spec houses with a friend of mine who is also an architect who never got his license but he's an architect he got his contractor's license and we built spec how we would build a house that's quite unusual on a lot that usually the bank said why are you building it there i mean that's not that's not where houses belong and i and i would we would sell it for really good prices you know because it was unusual great views winding driveways stuff like that and did a few of those and during one period, we had a terrible problem with the price of lumber and the economy. And we started a phony lumber company by having by printing um, cards and purchase orders and getting phone numbers and calling and pretending like we were really in business. Well, we were really in business. And pretty soon, uh, we had loads that were being delivered that in the mud and rain, there's this one uh, situation. Uh, they couldn't get up a driveway. They had a double semi just loaded down with, you know, uh, tens of thousands of dollars worth of wood that had been driven four hours from the, the, the lumber mill. 
So I had to call around, got some friends, say, well, you know, we're going to dump some lumber in your front yard for a couple of days. <laughs> and we had to end up taking it up pickup by pickup. And I said, Nick, you know, we, we got we to gotta rent a piece of land or put a fence around or something. Just to, And so I can remember the day he called me and, uh, and said, I just finished a little house and it got, and I'm talking on our new telephone, you know. And anyway, we've been there 35 years now in wow. Oak Country the, uh, Lumber and Ranch Supply. And so that's another business. And I, I actually have my eye on a lot to do an unusual house, uh, not too, 20 minutes from here uh, now. And, um, and, and it's more of an art project right now. The last couple of years, I had done a catalog of uh, men's one uh, outdoor rough out. Uh, you see this? You see this thick corduroy? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, Looks you know, good. it's the yep. thick, real wide whale. I like clothes like that, you know. I like I like uh, wax jackets, and I like things with leather shoulders, and and I thought about doing a catalog like that. Then I then I talked about doing a. Uh, I went to Donna Karen with a line of men's uh, soaps, one that looked like a piece of log that you'd throw in the fireplace, but it was a big soap with crusty, you know, and and uh, but a shampoo called hair. That was before Schitt's Creek stole right. my name. <laughs> I, I spell it hair. <laughs> you're an entrepreneur what? you're an entrepreneur at heart yeah but i tell you what i need an assistant to go okay dad i'm like okay buddy I'll, I'll go do it you know and um i said dad because i hoped my my daughter molly would have uh, been that kind of person to just run with it but she's an artist too and said dad you know i i do my own thing and I don't do somebody else's calling. So anyway, it would have been interesting if I had probably a better um, business sense. My business sense is more in running a movie company. I can tell who's sandbagging, who's wasting money, and how we get going right now and make a day. You know, like the first day I directed, we let the guys went home at 3 o'clock. There's a reason for that. I'm constantly thinking about somebody else's money, maybe not my own. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbionica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O. T-I-K-A dot com. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. 
There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash news. That's LifeLock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Hey, I want to do a little rapid fire with you. You mind if I do rapid fire real quick? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, this old guy, I'm not sure how good he is at that. But uh, I bet you you are. I bet you are. Uh, what's what's the best movie role you ever turned down? Turned down? Yeah, I went right to Oliver Stone's first movie was The Hand. And Michael Caine took it the minute I turned it down. And I was so glad when I saw it later. I went, boy, I was right about that. That was about a hand that got cut off that chased a guy yeah <laughs> so that i i uh i turned that one down but uh hmm you know was it smart when they came to me and literally begged me to do superman and i said i can't see myself in a red sock hanging up a wire somebody calls lunch and they got a, everybody's gone to lunch and they're up there trying to unhook the wires you know i said i just think that's a career killer and after the first two days i would just bore me you know and christopher reeves yeah uh ended up being superman you know but uh, dick donner will was and those guys those finance guys they all thought i was superman and uh uh i would say Again, I made the right decision passing on. Now, the one that got away was when I went over to England with Cubby Broccoli and became his new best friend because I was going to be the new James Bond after Roger Moore. And it went as far as him deciding and me, you know, us saying, well, we can kind of do of a continental mid-Atlantic, you know, like people do on uh, who are on the New York stage, you know, it doesn't have to be an English accent, but it can be affected somewhat. Uh, and I started working with, but physically with these stunt guys. And I picked a, a flat in a great apartment in London and headed off to Los Angeles to, uh, and, and the meanwhile, I tested, I, I did two screen tests with all of the great crews and big stages and great backgrounds and kind of the way they don't test anymore. Um, so anyway, I had this role. I went home to pack for a year and didn't hear anything for two weeks. And finally, uh, with my manager calling saying, well, Roger Moore's decided to do one more. Mm. So that was, yeah, it was, but it would have been interesting doing at least one bond picture. My neighbor down the road, Pierce Brosnan had a ball doing several of them. Yeah. And, uh, I missed that one. Yeah. 
What's the smartest decision? I don't have a real good answer for you about about turning down, um, you know, I may call you in the middle of the night and say, I just thought of it, you know. But I can't that. <laughs> Superman's a pretty good one. That's a pretty good one. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, actually, there was no way you could talk me into that. No amount of money I could see myself. Uh, not that there was a huge offer at that point, but it was, uh, it, they were insistent on uh, winning that battle. And uh, I just uh, said, absolutely not. And, and I'm still glad of it. I think I made the right decision. You know? Smart, what's the smartest decision uh, you've ever made? Hmm. That's a real good one. You know, it's funny because marriages kind of sneak up on you. But when I met, uh, oh, yeah, no, this, this is the same thing. Only, okay, we're, a friend of mine's, has this lady that I know from parties who asked him, how would uh, how, would Jim Brolin be interested in dating me? And he calls me and I said, oh, no way. You know, <laughs> well, I hope she doesn't see this. But uh, anyway, uh, the answer was no. And then she called a couple of days later and said, would he be interested in meeting Barbara? Barbara, Barbara, oh, that Barbara, oh, the one in the park in New York, yeah, the one that sings, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. So Barbara and I are both on our way to a prearranged party. Somebody took this real seriously. There were thirty guests, three tables of ten, out on the veranda overlooking the Bel Air Country Club on a warm, eighty-five degree night. You know, it was like too perfect. And I'm on the way up there in the car, and we have uh, basic cell phones at that time. They were, they were in existence. And I pick up the phone. I'm on my way, and I'm going, okay, I'm going to cancel this. This, is, this. this ain't what I do, you know, as a blind date, you know. Uh, she really didn't know me. We had passed each other here in uh, an award thing or something. And she was cutting a film. Uh, that she had directed and was on her way in the car and picked up the phone to cancel also. And we both went, oh, what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) We ended up there at the party. I had just, I had, uh, I think this was not too long after a hotel, or a few years I had kept the dark hair and uh, I, on the last show on hotel, I'd had the guy. I said, "I want to look like a curly-haired Italian all the time," you know. So somebody said, "Why don't you just be you?" So I had just shaved it all off. So I had gray this long with a little color on the ends. I think it really looked bad, and I didn't realize. So she didn't say much to me, but sat down. Uh, we all sat there. There were twenty-five, twenty-nine people sitting around at uh, the three table. And she had gone down with the kids after she saw me, like, this was a bad idea. Anyway, she came. I saw her come up the stairs and out onto the veranda. And as she walked around me, she touched my head and said, who f***ed up your hair? <laughs> and I had just shaved because I'd always been bearded. Uh, I fell in love. That was like the, like the, the fairy godmother went, when she touched my hair, you know. And uh, that was 24 years ago, almost 20, be 25 in July. And we're still, we're just solid as a rock. 
best decision I ever made was going, screw it. I'll go to the party. You know, <laughs> that was the decision moment. <laughs> I love that. I love that you did. I love that. I love that it worked. Now, are you a good husband? Uh, I think so. I think I run around trying to patch holes and fill all the voids and do everything. But, you know, that's arguable. You know, expectations ruin everything. <laughs> but I handle it really well. And I'm proud of what I do. And I'm proud of what because uh, what my dad taught me on a lot of things. He was kind of mean about everything. But I can fix anything or at least I think I can. And I'll give it a good try, you know. And I always try and keep up with uh, whatever the, the latest electronics are nowadays, as best as possible, and stuff. You know how to run the, you know, simple things like how to run the TV that drive you nuts nowadays when you have four remotes there on the table. And <laughs> but yeah, I, I probably think that I'm good, and she's we're good negotiators together. Huh. Doesn't mean we don't get into snits. It just means we know how to get out of them. Oh, I like you know. That. And I'm this is my third marriage. It's my third marriage, and I totally believe in marriage. I didn't want to get out of the first one, but he gets. I don't want to be treated like that. Wait, now why did you get out of the first one? Well, because I was treated pretty bad. Okay. Not a lot of respect going on there. No matter what I did. Huh. huh. Yeah. If you, uh, you probably have said this to Josh or Molly before, but, but what's the best advice you could, you've either gotten or you could give about love? Oh, yeah. It's the best, the best advice I could give about love is don't give up on them. Don't give up on them. Just there's a reason you were there in the first place. And of course, Josh is in his, you know, your parents don't teach you anything about it, all this stuff, you know. In fact, their examples are pretty poor sometimes, but they never sit you down and um, and um, tell you how to do. You have to get married, and I, I'm actually I'm a I'm a real window shopper. Like you know, in high school when I got a car, boy, I would just shop and look and think the best thing, and you know, make some hard decisions and everything. But when I met my first wife. I had been off on my first real location in Montana. I'd been gone for two months. And uh, I got back and I said to my roommate, I said, well, let's go out riding our motorcycles tonight. Or he says, oh, I got to go with my assistant and have dinner. And I said, oh, darn, you know, I was hoping we could. He said, well, let me call her and see if you can come along. Well, I was married to her 12 days later. <laughs> what the? And as it ended up, uh, she was a she was a wild one. She was what was that her first Mel Gibson movie where everybody was so nuts with the cars in Australia? Mad Max. Yeah, she was the little kid in Mad Max. You know, <laughs> wild one. Anyway, not uh, not the kind that a nice guy uh, really could settle down with. To me, you know. <laughs> And then I married somebody else, uh, getting out of that first one because I couldn't do it alone. So uh, that went south because it was there was no basics to it. But going back to what I started to answer your question, is the advice I give my kids would be, you know, there's a reason that you hooked up with that person in the first place. And uh, I would just give it a chance and test it out. 
which I did. The first one I tested for 16 years, <laughs> and the second one for seven. And uh, so I, I did my testing, but <laughs> um, I don't know. You know, nobody can pick anybody for someone else, can they? Yeah. yeah. I don't care. Yeah. You know, I guess in, in India and a lot of places in the world, everything's uh, picked by the parents. Right. Or the parents and the grandparents. Uh, your wife is picked. Yeah. Your spouse is picked. Would you have done a good job picking for Josh? Well, no, I don't. I don't think so. I hoped his first wife uh, was was going to work, and I had every hope for. You know, I was right in there on a second. But boy, does he hit the jackpot now! Mm-hmm. You know, he has two new baby girls. Right. And this lady is so delicious and wonderful. Mm-hmm. We're all just so lucky to know her that uh, just to. You know, as far as having a quality life and having a period of quality during your life being important, yeah, huh. this is good stuff. Oh man, I like, yeah. I, I like you know, I like hearing that. Hey, um, how did you end up with the name yeah. James? How did why what, were you named after someone, or how did you end up with the name James? And I had a I had a friend in uh, I, my my parents named me Craig, and I hated that name. Sound like <laughs> sounded like a cat trying to get something up out of his throat, you know. And uh, I had a real good friend who I liked in junior high school named Jim. And I went home one day and said, call me Jim. And they said, what? And I said, call me, that's my name from now on, Jim. And my parents would make a mistake, and then I'd correct them. Time, and pretty soon it was Jimmy and Mimi and Jimbo and JB and... Uh, it's been since I was, you know, 12 or something. Wow. 13. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what, what, it's funny. When, when, when people ask you about dreaming fearlessly, what advice do you give them? Because you know a lot of people, they have big dreams. We all have big dreams. But it's hard to grab a hold of it and make it actually happen. And even if it does, to hold on to it, maintain it. What kind of advice do you give people about dreaming fearlessly? Well, now that's a concept that you're wording something that I probably know about, but I don't know what you explain dreaming fearlessly. You mean uh, having goals that uh, or or having goals where you say, what's the worst going to happen? Or here's what I want. I don't care what and what you say to me. My dad came to me, but just to give you a little partial answer. He said, you know, you got a 10,000 to one chance against you making a nickel as an actor. I mean, that's the worst choice I ever heard. And my mother would say, honey, you, you, can, you can be anything you want to think of yourself as, you know. Um, I remember the story of the rich guy taking his son up to Mulholland and the son thinking, well, my, my dad's going to give me this big lot and build this house for me. And. He looked out over San Fernando Valley, and he's, he said, son, everything out there can be yours. It's all available. I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's kind of true. I mean, I just think that uh, if, you, if you're really adamant about uh, the words I want, I heard a long time ago, I want is a big thing. When you tell somebody, you know what I want? 
and you get through either you're repetitive or you really get through to them with your attitude that that's what you want. People just flock to try and make that happen for you. And if you don't prepare yourself for that, well, that's going to become apparent to them real quickly. And you're going to fall apart the minute you get a chance to do what you're asking for. So I've had actors say, what do you advise to a young actor? And I say, start your own university, become the professor, graduate magna cum laude, and get out there in the world and show them. Nobody else is going to teach you that. And as a matter of fact, I, uh, I mean, I left partly because my dad said, here's how much I owe you. I left college. But at the same time, I'm thinking, you know, these guys are, 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 are asking me to learn about this and that and this. What do I do on the job tomorrow? That's what I want to learn. And um, I, qu- I quit and literally got to, uh, got, got involved in what a workday job is in in the you know in 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 the picture business i only wished like at ucla that they had a motion picture department at the time because now they have a fine one and a great camera department i also wanted to learn the 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 finiteness of cinematography which i still now there's some schools around but now with covid i can't go to them i want to go to cinematography school and figure out why you're lit so good right now (laughs) <laughs> you got hey, you know what we've got a whole team here who appreciate you saying that um uh hey jimmy yeah, I don't, you do look good there buddy you know what uh, uh uh marco and eli and miles and hector and uh and the whole team is uh kind of put this together so uh so i'm, I'm going to tell them that you said you were uh, talking to eli okay. earlier uh, uh when we were here uh earlier yeah. um you know it's it's interesting uh do you ever go by Jimmy or only by Jim and James? No, my uh, people close to me call me Jimmy, but uh, normally, I don't know, people are, you know, and, and like if I'm leaving somewhere and somebody says, hey, James, I won't even turn around. I won't even hear it. Uh, Jim, I'll hear. Jimmy, I'll hear. JB, I'll hear. But James, uh, I'll think, what well, you know, they're talking to the, the driver, <laughs> you know, or the butler. <laughs> hey, Jimmy, whatever whatever happened to your dad? Did he ever get to see your incredible career? Did he ever get to watch any of that? As a matter of fact, shortly after um, my, you know, once we were number one show by the sixth week, I'm talking about the number one show in television, you know, uh, he would uh, he would go to restaurants and say, a good restaurant and say, uh, we we need a uh, we need a you know the family name is Bruderlin, and uh, I just uh, you know in those days everybody sort of customized their name so I just shortened it I cut the D E R out of it then Brolin and everybody oh you're an Irish guy well no not really uh, but he would he would call up a restaurant and say this is Henry Brolin I'd like a table for six and uh, Jim Brolin's father and you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then he'd show up at the studio some sometimes. At the most, he'd get by the guard gate, and he'd show up at the most um, wrong times. You know, it's always nice. You know, when you're working, if somebody calls you, and at least you prepare, or you tell them I can't do it today or something, he would show up and 
And uh, but yeah, he turned around and became quite proud. And I actually suspected, and this is human nature, that he wished he'd done it. Mm. You know. Mm. But uh, I mean, I, I I still run into a lot of actors. Uh, personalities that I think they go, I want to be an actor. And I think, you know, with the right situation, you could do well, but they will not get up on that stage and pay somebody to humiliate themselves for a thousand or 10,000 hours. Like I did, it was humiliation. I'd pay these teachers that there'd be all these young kids in this crowd judging you. And I'd get up there to do a scene or improvisation. It was, it was, ripped me up and yet every time i did it uh it became i become more resilient it became a little bit easier the fear and then knowing that you're gonna die tonight <laughs> feeling went away yeah. i mean it's situation humiliating situations like that or are similar to the fear of death sometimes you know yeah. i mean i think there's a connection in somewhere in your brain where you, you try to avoid that like crazy. Anyway, I went right to the eye of it. And that answers your other question about what do you do? You go right into the eye of the fear because that's fear is your fear is your success. Hey, I'm going to leave it there. Uh, 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 Jimmy, I, I, right. I man, I, right. I, enjoy, I enjoyed this. What a treat. Now, when things get healthy again, uh, you got to come see me. Yeah. I got to come see you. I want to talk more next time I see you about this Ruby McCollum story because I think that's a big story. It's in, I'm from Florida. Yeah. I'm from Miami. I'm really interested in that. So next time I uh, oh. see you, hope we can talk about that. Well, great. Well, you know, this was Live Oak. Live Oak. This was up near the Georgia border. You know, Live Oak area? It's just east of Jacksonville. So that's right. where it happened. But a lot of mafia activity around there, which is involved in the story too and everything. Anyway, I uh, if I'm up in the your area, I'll, I'll find you. We'll go to lunch if we get, ever get out of this prison. <laughs> we got to, we got to, we got to do it. What I love is that you have the air of someone who's enjoying his life and has enjoyed his life. That's a beautiful thing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And I, and I do and am, I wish we were out uh, testing the world right now, but uh, we're not, you know, but at least okay, this is so great. We can talk now. These new tools are fabulous, huh? Yeah. Yeah. They're beautiful. <laughs> Jimmy, appreciate you. Thank you. All right. Be safe. Take care, huh? Okay. All right. Be well. Okay. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Carlos Watson Show podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell your friends to find us on the iHeart Podcast app or Apple Podcasts. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.
Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 